step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to live positively through the many and varied challenges of life. Uh, I have a very exciting guest today. Actually, I'm somewhat nervous uh, about my guest today. His name is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Rabbi Lappin is the president of the American Alliance of Jews and Christians. And he's a noted rabbinic scholar and Jewish leader, author of America's Real War and Thou Shalt Prosper, and many other bestsellers. He's a frequent guest on Fox News, Wall Builders Radio, and Glenn Beck TV. Uh, he hosts his own popular radio and podcast programs with international audiences. And with his wife, Susan, he hosts the daily television show, Ancient Jewish, Jewish Wisdom with Rabbi Daniel Lappin on the TCT television network. He is best known for condensing millennia of ancient Jewish wisdom into practical and entertaining books, audio and video resources available to people of every background. He has taught Hebrew wisdom from the Bible in more than 500 churches in North America and the United Kingdom and counts many Christian leaders among his closest friends. He's been widely credited with inspiring countless Jews and Christians to return to active involvement in their religious faiths. Uh, welcome to the show today, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Thank for you very us. much indeed, Tom. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you so much. I recently, uh, about a month or so ago, read Business Secrets from the Bible. And since then, I've earned more money than I have in a while by charging for things I used to do for free. And some of the tips I suggested to my colleagues at Business Elite Canada magazine, and now they are making more money from tips from your book. So I am applying well, when people, You know, Tom, when, when people undercharge for their services, or sometimes don't charge at all, uh, when people feel uncomfortable quoting a fee, and, and I, I encounter this so very often, where uh, people feel as if there's something unwholesome, untoward, improper, inappropriate about telling how much you're owed, that's always the result of one major problem, which is that people do not understand that if you're holding a dollar bill in your hand, 
and you didn't hold up a convenience store and you didn't defraud anybody and you didn't muggle an old lady and steal a pocketbook and you didn't persuade the government to confiscate it from me and give it to you, then the only way you got that money was by pleasing another one of God's children. You must have pleased another human being. I don't know if it was your boss or a customer or a client or a relative. I have no idea. But somebody voluntarily gave you that dollar because whatever it was you did for them was more valuable to them than the dollar. And that makes God smile. And if you don't really understand that, then you'd be set by this problem of feeling uncomfortable about giving your price or raising your price. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I was somewhat uncomfortable for a number of years as well. And in my talks, Rabbi, what I remind people is uh, 40%, 4 out of 10 people in the world live on less than $2 a day. So if we are blessed to live in a first world country, Canada for me, U.S. Uh, for a lot of my friends and yourself, it is our God-given duty, he's blessed us to live here, to earn as much money as we can so that we can share as much as we can. And so talk about the idea of the suggestion that the God of the Bible wants us to be rich. Because a lot of Christians are... First of all, you have to tell me, what part of Canada do you live in? I'm in Toronto. And I have just returned from a month of boating in British Columbia. This is our usual summer family boating trip. And like many people would try different places every year, we just returned to British Columbia year after year because it is the most wonderful place for boating. It is a beautiful, beautiful part of our country, probably the most beautiful province. Yeah, it is. And um, look, as to the question of whether God wants us to be rich, Uh, That's a little bit like saying, does God want us to have great sex? The truth is that uh, he hasn't shared that with me. I'm sorry to say, but he hasn't. But what I do know is that he wants us to live with a, a monogamous relationship with a spouse. And it wouldn't surprise me if a good and loving God rewards us for doing what he wants with the greatest sensual pleasure known to mankind. And in the same way, I don't know that he necessarily wants Daniel Lappin to be rich, but I do know he wants me to be obsessively preoccupied with the needs and the desires of his other children. And to me, it's no surprise that a good and loving God of abundance should reward with the incredible blessing of financial success anybody who is focused on taking care of other people. So, so that's the way I look at it. I don't know that he wants us to be rich. I do know he wants us to focus on serving others. doesn't surprise me that the money flows. And therefore, as a result of that, and something I explained very clearly in my book, Business Secrets from the Bible, is that it's not part of the Jewish tradition to pray to God, oh, please give me another $2,000 this month. I've got to pray the, pay the mortgage. No! What we might pray is, please open my eyes to see some more of your children that I can serve. And then the money flows by itself. And it's really important to understand also that um, uh, and a lot of times this happens, Tom. I don't know if you do it in your speeches, but I sometimes take questions and answers. And one of the, the ways that I launch that part of my appearance 
is usually by saying, well, I'll start the ball rolling by asking the first question. And my first question is, I assume you all want to make more money. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come to a lecture by Rabbi Daniel Lappin <laughs> talking about increasing your revenue. My question to you is, why? <laughs> and I go around the room. People put up their hands, and I take answers. And overwhelmingly, the most popular response is, so I can give more to charity, I can give more to <laughs> my church, I can do good. Amen. And I say, you know, you all sound a little bit like uh, the 17th and 18th century pirates of the Caribbean, who after long and successful careers, plundering and pillaging, would then retire and build a cathedral to win their way back into society. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons I absolutely loathe the expression you'll often hear commentators using whenever a wealthy personality or a successful philanthropist makes a large charitable bequest, you'll often hear people say, oh, how wonderful it is to see him giving back to society. I loathe that expression, Tom, because if giving charity is giving back to society, what was I doing to society in the first place while I was making my money? I must have been ripping it off. Right. And that isn't true. You make money when you serve society. And the, the, that particular language usage is very destructive. We make money by serving society, and you don't have to give charity in order to justify your success. Your success is evidence of your, your care for other people. And if you're a successful entrepreneur, you've lain awake at night worrying about making sure your employees, your, your employees get paid on time and how you're going to make payroll. You've worried about taking care of your vendors' bills. You've worried about taking care of your customers. Business is an obsessive focus on the needs of other people. And if you are successful, you've been doing that well. Now, you should give charity anyway. That's separate and regardless. But there's no special additional obligation on a successful person to give charity. You know, people a lot of, lot of, lot of times like saying, well, to, much of whom, to, to him too much was given, much is expected. Excuse me, it wasn't mm -hmm. given. I earned it. Okay. You nailed this one. So now another one that I really love, and you made it extremely clear in that Bible, it, or in the business secrets from the Bible, how one success is... It has been proven that one success is linked to how many people a person knows. And so explain that because it, it is been proven and you do need to know a lot of people to achieve a, a above average success. Sure. Um, there's no question about it that uh, the number of people you know is very much directly related to how successful you're going to be financially, how much money you'll make. I want to make quite sure we're talking money here. People should understand, uh, you know, having people, you know, sometimes I say to people, are you, are you wealthy? And people squirm in discomfort. And some people say, well, I have a wonderful family and I'm healthy. I mean, yeah, very nice. God bless you. We're yes. talking bank account now. Right. And, um, and, and it's sort of important to understand that uh, revenue, financial revenue, is proportional to the number of people you know. Now, a lot of people say, well, then I'm sunk because I'm just an introverted, shy kind of person. I'm not a people person. Uh, to which I say, try and remember when you were a teenager. You might remember when your face broke out in so many pimples that it looked like craters on the moon. 
Now, did you just go around introducing yourself and say, hi, I'm Daniel Lappin, and I'm a pimply guy? I don't think so. You ended up spending the equivalent of the gross domestic product of a small nation on pharmaceuticals designed to get your face fixed up and smooth out your complexion. That's what you did. You didn't accept that it was just the way it was. Or if an NFL player breaks his leg in a game, he doesn't walk around from then onwards and say, uh, I'm the guy with a broken leg. No, he gets it put in a cast, he gets the orthopedic surgeon to fix it, and it gets repaired. And being somebody who's shy and introverted is just like having a pimply face or having a broken leg. It's not ideal, and therefore work on fixing it. This is not the hardest job in the world, but like making an omelet or learning to dance, you kind of got to know how. And that's why my book is so helpful, because that's exactly what I speak about. And the point is that um, I also urge people to quantify it. And, and I'm very meticulous about practical tools and techniques in the book. There are 40 spiritual strategies that my people have used over centuries in nice countries, in bad countries, in hospitable times or oppressive regimes, uh, in times of bigotry and anti-Semitism, and in times of warm hospitality, Jews have prospered. And one of the things we do is that, uh, and I, I've listed 40 of the things that anybody can do, but one of the very important ones is to make sure that you um, you uh, measure everything. Everything has to be uh, done in such a way so as you are able to apply the metrics. For instance, if you want to lose weight, but you refuse to keep a record of your weight every morning, you're a loser. It's not going to work. You have to weigh yourself and put the number down every day so you can keep a record of what's going on. In the same way, you need to count up. And, you know, I say to people, just do it tonight already. Before you go to bed, just do it. Painful, it's hard, it takes a little bit of time, but not as long as you think. And list all the people that, and I'm not saying all the people you know, all the people you met. I'm saying all the people who would take your phone call. Mm -hmm. Now, that knocks it down quite a bit. Leave out relatives, okay? And uh, leave out people you owe money to, because they'll take your call anytime. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, list all the people who would take your phone call or call you back if you get their voicemail. And you'll be surprised the number's not as big as you think it is. List them and do this exercise again in a month's time. And if it isn't bigger, if it's not bigger by 5 or 10% next month, you're not following the program. And I love way, it. Even if you're shy, even if you think you're not a people person, you can go through the precise strategies I'm talking about and measure the progress month by month. And uh, in six months down the road, which is by the time by which time we expect to see substantial, um, uh, measurable change in your revenue creation, uh, you'll discover that that corresponds to an increase in the number of people who who think of you as a friend. Amen. And I was uh, spent four years with a prestigious management accountant, and you are so correct. Anything you want to work on and improve, you need to measure. And so start off by counting you know, how many friends, and then do what you just uh, described there for people, and keep track of the numbers, and that will help you. Now, another one that I loved the idea, but that some people, I imagine parents, I'd have a hard time with. I don't remember the exact axiom of the uh, chapter, but it was 
uh, not necessarily telling kids that they should do what they love to do, but more be focused on do what you can earn money at. Is that, did I get that kind of well, right? Yes. Um, there are two horrible pieces of advice that are usually given to students um, near graduation or commencement day speeches, and they invariably get some prominent personality to come and pontificate to the students for an hour. And uh, the two absolutely worst pieces of advice are, number one, uh, go into public service. <laughs> now, the general rule is that any activity that needs a euphemism is probably not something you should do. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, um, you know, have an affair. That's a euphemism. What you actually are talking or doing is something that can be described very specifically. Right. But there's a euphemism for it. Anytime there's a euphemism, run for your life. Public service is the euphemism for going into politics. Now, you really don't want to do that. And you, all you've got to do is just think about how we feel. If somebody says, um, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and build a successful company, I say, yippee. That means that you're going to be hiring more people, you're going to contribute to the economy, you're going to be producing some goods or services that could probably improve my life. I love that. Go for it. <laughs> but if somebody says I'm going to politics, all that translates to is another 10 fingers in my wallet. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, that's, that's terrible advice, uh, it, especially for a young person. It's at, at a time when you, you could be building yourself up and serving other people, all of a sudden, uh, you're now focused on being uh, the sort of person who's got to say what other people want to hear and do what other people want you to do, and you've got to kowtow to power in the hope that one day you'll have your turn to be at the top of the heap. Not a way to live. Yeah. And the, the second piece of appalling advice given to young people is, you know, follow your passion. Do what you really love doing, and that way your work will always be a pleasure. It's horrible advice because it's essentially selfish. You know, take me, for instance. I love boating. Like I said, I was just boating in British Columbia. But I've never yet been able to find anybody to pay me to go boating. <laughs> and why should they? You know, when I teach people going for job interviews, one of the worst traps you can fall into is to answer the question, so what are your goals? There's only one answer to that, is, and that is to make a contribution to your company and to make your life more successful professionally and to make you more needing of my services. That's my only goal. But when people start saying, oh, well, you know, my goal is that I want to fulfill my uh, dreams and use all the skills I was taught at college, like, uh, <laughs> you know, remedial breathing and midnight basketball. And, um, and the, all that tells me as the future employer is I don't need you anywhere near my life. I don't want you to be focused on your goals and dreams. I want you to be focused on mine. That's why I pay you a lot of money. <laughs> and so... Um, in the same way, the, the correct advice is not seek out to do what you're passionate about. The correct advice is no. Seek out what most people will find most valuable in your orbit and then learn to love doing that. And the way you do that is very simple research. Find out what activities that you could do pay the most. That's the way the market signals to you that you're helping the majority of other people. And then you learn to love doing it. 
and it changes your life. Amen. Great. Right. Now, another one that I loved and that I felt the same way, and Zig Ziglar even felt the same way, you mentioned uh, about the Bible never mentions anything about anyone retiring. I know I heard Zig Ziglar say once that it, the only time retirement was mentioned is as a punishment. Now, I haven't been able to find that verse yet, but uh, I think I would be bored in retirement and non Well, and even, even more importantly, in the Lord's language, there is no word for retirement. It doesn't wow. exist. And, um, and I just want to make sure, I hope it's okay with you if we give out my website, which is you oh, need... I you need a rabbi.com why are you you need a rabbi.com because uh, if folks want to know anything more about this if they want to read up more about my book the, the, the business secrets from the bible all of that can be done at my website you need a rabbi.com and um, and yeah re re retirement is important because there's no hebrew word in the lord's language which is hebrew there is no word for retirement and and generally speaking uh, words for which no Hebrew equivalent exists are, are not sound concepts. For instance, uh, adolescent. Right, an adolescent is a terrible idea. I never allowed my kids to be adolescents. You could be kids or adults, your choice. But you couldn't be in between. An adolescent is an exocrescence. It's nothing but somebody who wants all the advantages of adulthood with all the advantages of being a kid. You can't have it both. And so no Hebrew word for adolescence. And in the same way, no Hebrew word for retirement, because retirement is um, it's a very selfish concept. It shows that your entire approach to business is wrong. Our entire approach to business is supposed to be focused on serving other people. Retirement says, you know what, I've got enough, I'm going home. I don't care about you. So somebody who's been my plumber for all these years, taking care of all my plumbing problems, all of a sudden I call him up one day and he says, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I said, what? <laughs> I still got leaky pipes and I trust you. You have a key to my house. You just come and solve it while I'm at work. You can't just retire. What, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, you know what, I've made enough money. I don't have to work anymore. Well, I don't wish him anything but well, but deep in my heart I say, you know what? you're doing a very dangerous thing. You're sending a signal to the Lord, which is you've finished, you're done taking care of his other kids. It's not, never a surprise to me when, God forbid, people retire, deteriorate in health. <laughs> because in a sense, their entire purpose of taking care of other human beings has vanished. I don't work for the money. I worked for the joy of serving other humans, and the money flows automatically. And now to say that I've got enough money, therefore I'm stopping to serve other human beings, it's a death sentence. Correct, correct, <laughs> exactly. And um, and I've seen that in my own life. Uh, parents of friends I know that retire, and their health deteriorates, they're bored, and yet they're it's still terrible. Ca terrible. They're, ca they're fully capable of still performing and doing what they used to do, where they enjoyed it, sure. they loved it, and they made money. And, uh, it's sad. It's sad to see when that happens. Uh, so now... Uh, one thing that you talk about and uh, that uh, I want to make clear to people because I really believe this myself, you explain that many men and women who never attended expensive schools and university out-earn lawyers, doctors, and other professionals with fancy degrees from prestigious schools. And I think on the in a North American or American 
richest list of I think you got to get past like number 10 before you find anybody who graduated from a prestigious university or school. Uh, talk about that because uh, that's important for parents to know that these prestigious degrees from these fancy universities are not necessarily the solution to your child's uh, future. No, no, not at all, I would say, of course. No, not at all. Um, and uh, and I think people have to, to understand that if you're going to university to get a very specific marketing skill, you're going to university, uh, you know, either professional school, and not every doctor or lawyer or accountant necessarily makes money. They have to understand they're in business. Some do and some don't. And those that get it do well. Though, you know, the degree itself is not a, a license to print money. And if you're going to university to learn, you know, science or mathematics or engineering or technology or computers, I, I think that could be helpful. But it's certainly, while helpful, Hello, it's far from necessary. Message from Fido at PO Box one fourteen forty. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. And so yeah. uh, the the important thing is uh, is that you don't need any college degree to become effective in sales. And I believe that one of the best best professions is selling because it's a portal to success. Mm. It, you can get a job anywhere, any place, any time if you know how to sell. And yes. it's easy. You know, anyone can learn and it's a wonderful avenue into business. Yes. Amen. My father always said salespeople are the only revenue employee. Everyone else is an expense. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I hate to have to rush, but it, and it's been a, a wonderful pleasure to, to be with you, Tom. And it's so nice of you to have me. I hope you'll think of having me back sometime. I uh, definitely will. Uh, thank you so much. As I mentioned, was somewhat quite slash nervous uh, before this call, but amazing information for people on very, very, very important topics. So I uh, thank you so much today, Rabbi. I appreciate it. And uh, this will be one of my Hall of Fame interviews. Uh, and, oh, thank, uh, thank you very you so much indeed. And please know if if I can do anything else for you, don't hesitate. Uh, we are now friends, and uh, I I will include you in my list of people I know, and you can do the same for me. And uh, any way I can be of any service to you would be a pleasure. Amen. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you. You too. God bless. You. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.